With Metro and the best deal in wireless, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees included every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. 5G access requires capable device. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Richmond, the host of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people, where we talk about issues in the blindness community. Aaron's Opinion can be found almost anywhere you get a podcast, from Apple to Spreaker to Spotify, Google, YouTube, Patreon, you know it. You, 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 you know, we're, we're, probably, we're probably there. We're also available, as I said, on Patreon and on Twitter and Facebook. Um, today, listeners, I'm so glad to tell you that we are joined by a great friend, someone all the way from Kampala, Uganda, um, who has a lot of information to give us and a big life story to talk to us about. Why don't you go ahead, jump right into it, introduce yourself, and go ahead. Thank you, Aaron. I'm called Ambrose Wadudu. I'm from Uganda. So I'm a Ugandan by nationality. And uh, I'm not a blind person, but I'm a great advocate for people with disabilities in my country. Uh, I started this work in 2015, immediately after finishing my university degree. And there was no work. So I decided instead of sitting, I started an organization called Elgon Child Watch Initiatives Uganda. Uh, this organization, I formed it initially with the purpose of promoting child protection because there were so many violations of children's rights in my community. However, as time went on and the, I was blessed to have a job, I turned my works to child protection, but also supporting education. In education, we're basically supporting those children who are vulnerable who could not buy scholastic materials and the, those ones who are orphaned. Now, my turning point to start supporting disability was in 2018. I was working for an organization which promoted child rights and they conducted an outreach. This outreach brought in so many people with disabilities, the lame, the blind, the mute, and many others. So deep inside my heart, I said that, yes, I'm here for this organization, but in my own village, there are very many people who with these disabilities. Can't I help? So I went back home and interacted with my cousin brother, who is my agent. By then, he was 26 years. Uh, 24 years. So I asked him if he knew anything to do with the, with the Braille, and yes, he did. Now, why I went in for this was because from the experience of my blind brother, who is my agent, it seemed like there were no opportunities for the blind people in the community. Uh, for example, I stated the, my primary level and completed it while he was sitting at home and there was no opportunity. I joined the, the ordinary level, which we call A level, when he was just joining uh, primary one. So there was a difference of seven years in education and yet he could have achieved 
it all like others. So I decided to conduct an outreach in 2018, December. And out of this outreach, we were able to find 200 children with disabilities. And we, decided, we started to support them. Uh, for the blind people, since I had a cousin, uh, I explored on how we could help. And thank God, we were joined by a friend of ours from the United States who donated to us a laptop. Now, I didn't know blind people could also use laptops because I'd never seen one, even one person using a laptop. Uh, to my surprise, this friend of ours gave us a keyboard which is, which is Braille in nature. And we installed an application, a software called NVDA. Uh, when it was installed, we realized, yes, even blind people can use laptops. It was very interesting. And uh, my cousin, who is called Sam, started to, to do some work on the laptop, typing for people, and people were hiring him to do some small work. Uh, then also we decided to support other people with disabilities, for example, the, the deaf and the mute. Now, these people also find a challenge going to school. So in our program, we decided to, to pioneer something by buying smartphones for blind people. We, there were two people in the project by then. On the, on the phones, we installed an application called OTA. So this application is a, a transcoder which was helping the, the people who cannot, who cannot hear to write, and then the words are, are read to those ones who can, who can hear. And then while a person who, who hears and talks could talk, the application could automatically write the notes down and this person could read and give a response. So we realized it was very important, especially in changing lives of children, and we pursued it. Uh, currently, we are continuing with disability outreaches, and our main purpose is not to, to actually our main purpose is not to actually say, for example, solve the problem, but we are trying to promote accessibility for children with disabilities. We are aiming at solving the problem at childhood rather than starting to, to deal with the problem during adulthood. Uh, for example, for those children who have physical disabilities, we link them to hospitals which deal with disabilities for rehabilitation so that maybe their disabilities can be cured and uh, not affect them during childhood. And then for those who are already having disabilities, for example, they completely blind, we aim at ensuring that at least they, are, they have access to each and everything that others can uh, access. And by so, we are trying to, for example, materials like films and any other literature is being translated. Or for example, if it's a video for the, for the deaf, they must be captioning them so that they can know exactly what is being talked about, but also using the, 
the sign language. For the blind, we also installed sign language applications which have important things like the, the laws of Uganda, which have things like the Bible, which they use so much, and the many others. Mm, this year in 2020, we decided to open up a community library because of the COVID condition. And one of the things that we have done is to make sure that we have one laptop which is there for people who are blind so that when they come to, to read anything, we have a software of whatever they want and they use it for, for referring. While those ones who are not blind always use the, the hard notes which are available and the books which are there. So in so doing, we are trying to ensure that in everything we do, uh, they are involved and we keep monitoring them and meeting them in their respective villages. Um, and we are starting some projects on income generation. Uh, for example, like those ones who cannot walk, we want to train them in things like uh, hairdressing, uh, mechanics, and uh, many others. While the blind, we are looking at uh, training them in accessibility edits, for example, for websites. We, 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 we want to train them on accessibility, for example, for editing websites and find out if that so we are we are ensuring that great i i am still here that is all all wonderful good good uh, sorry sorry no problem. i was interrupted i was inter interrupted by someone calling on my phone ah uh, no problem no problem mm-hmm Mm. So I was saying we have a friend from the United States who is trying to support us. She works with an organization, a nonprofit called Access Promise USA. And this uh, lady called Janet is specifically helping to equip, uh, especially the blind, with the skills to work even when the, 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 the conditions are not favorable. Uh, for example, one of the things we mainly wanted to do was we want to train the blind on how to use computers to do work. And here we are targeting things like website designing and uh, website accessibility tests, whereby someone can test a website and see if it is accessible to all people in terms of color, in terms of lighting, and others. Now, one of the things we have also managed to do is that we have been training people on which language to use, especially when referring to people, to people and children with disabilities. I think here traditionally people have different names of calling people with disabilities. Uh, for example, part of the training is instead of calling someone a lame man, it would be, it would be good to say a man with a physical impairment on the leg. Or if instead of calling someone, uh, instead of calling a person who doesn't talk to be, uh, to, be to be called dumb, it is better we call them 
the mute so that it doesn't look like we are harassing them in the way we talk and we introduce them. And one of the things that we have been teaching people is especially for the blind people, how do you guide a blind person? Do you just pull him? Do you put him in front? Or he has to be in some position. And we've been telling people clearly that yes, if you're with a blind person and you're guiding, it's better that person to hold, for example, your shoulder. And if he's going to sit, you must make sure that you get his hand and make him to touch on the place where he's sitting so that he does not uh, get an accident in, in any way. So that's what we are mainly focusing on right now. And there are so many other modifications that we keep on introducing as, as we keep moving. That's basically what we are doing. Uh, however, for us here, we have a slogan which says that if you're involving blind people or if you're involving another person with disabilities, we have a slogan which says, nothing for us without us. Implying, if we are trying to do anything for the blind community, for the deaf community, or for any other type of disability community. We must involve them. They must tell us their view and their feel of what we are planning for them. Instead of imposing just that, no, you are supposed to do this, we feel better if they are consulted and they consent on whatever we want to do for them. That's basically what I can tell you about the, the organization I'm leading. And I'm extremely impressed with everything you've said. You've done a, you're doing a magnificent job of explaining um, all of this information. Absolutely, wonderful. Mm -hmm. So most of the things we are doing, uh, we keep updating on our Facebook page, uh, which is called Elgon Child Watch Initiatives Uganda. And the- Great. Well, I, I tell you what, a, after the show today, you if you want, you can send me links uh, to your organization and I can, put, I can put one of those links in the description of this video and then people yes. can come and, and learn more about that. But I, of course, have questions. Um, you said, <clears throat> so you said that when you were in university, um, mm. you became uh, interested in basically, as you said, child protection, I yes. think, right? Okay, can you walk our listeners through what, what that means and give me more information about that? Thank you very much. Uh, by, by child protection, I, I, I mean, these are mechanisms we try to put in place to respond to issues regarding child abuse. Now, here, uh, traditionally, there are some things which uh, bar children from pursuing their dreams. Uh, for example, there are places where all families who feel girls are not supposed to uh, go to school. And then also the hostile cultures, uh, for example, which involve male circumcision, it's called genital, female genital mutilation. And also, the kind of this, the kind of issues whereby you find a family does not just provide for their children, too much defilement in some places, and nothing is done. A child of twelve years is defiled, and the perpetrator moves freely without any problem. So when I was finishing my education, I wanted to help overcome these problems 
by making sure that I follow up cases regarding children, report them to police, and these people are sanctioned before court and at least they are taken to prison uh, to make sure that the children, they stay in the safe environment. And we're doing this by making sure that we sensitize community members, especially school teachers, and then the, the, the local leaders to ensure that if there was any case, they would quickly run to our office, report it, and we give some support, especially on legal advice on what best they can do. Now, in, in the group of our organization, we're five people, and we're people of different, we did different courses at university. There are those who did the, uh, for example, IT. There are those ones who did law. There are those ones who did social sciences. And there are those ones who did agriculture. So for any case, the advice would come from a technical person who knows about a specific area. So child protection remains aiming at ensuring that children live to fulfill their potentials without any abuses. And in case there were to be abuses, we would try a way of counteracting them and avoiding them so that at least a child has an opportunity to grow without any problem. We formed what we call child protection committees, and these were committees which were responsible for ensuring that no child rights were violated within the community. And in schools, we had what we call school management committees. They're responsible to ensure that children, uh, children rights are not violated while in the school setting. That's what mainly I was looking at, uh, at child protection. Why I involved the disability, it's because it's everyone's right to grow up healthy. So uh, I, I, we tackled that area of disability because at least every child has a right to to proper health. That's why we handled it also under the child protection program. Excellent. So perhaps you you observed, I think, and I, I was going to ask, but now I think I understand more. I was going to ask you how you became, or, or, or yeah, I would like to ask, how did you come to this important observation that so many children in Uganda, in your country, were being and are being abused? How did you, how did you observe that, if I might ask? Um, okay. In, personally, from my own community or my own district, I could see this with my own naked eyes. Okay. And the, even community leaders were seeing this with their own naked eyes. And they talk about it, but they don't take action. The same happens to other areas within the country. It is all over the TV. While you're watching TV, you see a child of 12 years was burnt by the stepmother, and he cannot walk. He has become lame. Or they're showing a story of a blind person who has stayed for, for 22 years without going to school. He or she has no skill. So the observation I kept asking myself that I think it's not good to just look at these things happening before me, but I can do something small. So in 2017, when I got my first job, I decided part of my money I would use to invest in the organization which had formed so that we could use it for running other activities, uh, supporting the volunteers who are helping us to ensure that they reach communities and talk to parents about the rights of their children. 
that's basically the how I observed that these cases of child abuse were taking place in the community. But there are also have been written about because uh, we receive police reports about a number of cases of defilement, cases of child neglect, cases of child assault, and so many other cases. Mm, that's horrible. Really, really unexcusable. Yeah. I, I appreciate, well, I, I, I thank you for having the courage in your life to take action. And that's, this is, this is ridiculous. What, I mean, why do you think, have you given any thought or come to any conclusion why um, this is such a profound problem in your society? Why, uh, right. why this, why this issue has given, I've gotten attention of this issue. It's because it happens, and I feel it can it can be done away with. There are some cases whereby, if you intervene early, our children are likely not to be to live with disabilities. Um, I give an example of also my nephew who could not walk. Uh, he's called Jovan. Uh, I could say him he cannot walk, but I know that if such a child is maybe taken to a physiotherapist and, the, and they work on him through rehabilitation, he can get back to, to his real foot and be able to be self-reliant in terms of walking. And also the inspiration from Sam, uh, who took uh, around uh, 12 years while I was finishing my first level of education, he had not joined. I really felt that, no, I think, I've seen it happen to my relatives and I don't want it to happen to other people. So I took an action to ensure that, yes, for those children whom we can help, we could do something. And we actually, we actually started by uh, helping a group of uh, 13 people whom we first helped by assessing them and giving them some particular support. And then from there, we decided to have a bigger disability outreach, which we identified 200 children, and are the ones we are, kind, uh, we are currently supporting. If we supported some with a laptop, uh, we leave him and we keep monitoring him, then we go to another child with another disability. And the biggest thing which we are now trying to do is to ensure that we don't just help them, but we link them to hospitals which are having specialists in handling disabilities. Uh, for example, we have been able to link up with hospitals which do the physiotherapy, then occupational therapy, to especially those ones who, who cannot manage to do some kind of work and those ones who cannot work. For, for those ones who are blind, what we are trying to do is if we identify that a child is having a severe uh, visual impairment, we take them to a, a hospital within Uganda called St. Benedict in Tororo, where they are assessed to see if they can improve or not. Uh, of course, some of, some of the disabilities, why we had to pursue is because they could be solved, because they were, like, there are disabilities which occur as a result of poor feeding. A child is only eating one uh, food rich in maybe carbohydrates. They're not taking care of the proteins or vitamins. 
And then there are also disabilities which come with the behaviors of the parents, especially those ones who are especially expectant mothers who keep taking alcohol, abusing drugs. In the end, you find that a child has become blind, a child has become lame. So we, I took this direction knowing if community members were to be sensitized very well, we could get rid of some of the disabilities which are in existence. And for those ones which are already in the existence, I felt, yes, we could do something to promote accessibility and, the, uh, and participation for those people. Wonderful. So good. So good. So, um, I mean, you know, in my own life, I have done um, a, lot of, a lot of work, a lot of volunteering, actually. I am 29 years old. Um, as I said on Messenger, I've never been to Uganda, but I have been to East Watine, um, yes. which is a very, very beautiful place. What can mm. you, what can you tell me, you know, about, about Uganda? For example, are you living in Kampala right now? Are you in the capital right now? Mm, I am not living in Kampala right now. Mm, the district where I'm living mostly is called Sironko and Mbale. There are two neighboring districts there in eastern Uganda. Uh, what I can tell you about Uganda is it is a very hospitable country. I think, I feel there's no country which is so welcoming like Uganda. Everyone is basically a friend to you, even just at first sight. People are very caring. And the, another thing I can tell you about Uganda is that at least what I know, people are religious. They love God so much and they would not tolerate anyone who does anything contrary to God's uh, instructions and commandments. So it's a very welcoming place. We have good weather. Uh, we have two seasons in a year. We have the rainy season, and we have also the, 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 the dry season, which is full of sunshine. And the, the foods grown here basically the, the, the most type of foods here are, are rice. We have what's called matoke, those are bananas. And for sauce, we have beans, mainly beans and beef are the ones that people like most uh, as a type of food. When you come to Uganda, you cannot miss to eat those ones there. And how would you describe the land and the topography of your uh, region in Uganda? Okay, for topography, uh, we have four major areas in Uganda. Uh, there's central Uganda, there's eastern, there's west, and there's north. Now, in the north, northern Uganda is generally flat. Then, the eastern part of Uganda is having places which are flat while others are hilly. Uh, for example, here in Mbali and Sironko, generally a mountainous area with so many hills. And this actually gives a very hard time to people with disabilities, especially when it comes to, to walking. Uh, it might even be challenging to walk with a white cane because some of the roads are not very okay. They have a lot of ditches and potholes. Uh, the other region is Western Uganda. It is also highly mountainous. 
very many valleys and the, and the hills. So it is very interesting, but we, we have generally hilly places. Uh, it's surrounded with, with very many hills. And the, but the hills also just act as part of tourism uh, because they're like mountains. Uh, for example, here we have what is called Elegon. In Bala, we have what is called Elegon Mountain. Then in Western, we have what is called Mount Renzori. And in the Northeast, we have what is called Mount Moroto. So it's very interesting. The topography is very interesting. And the, I must say it is mostly characterized by the hills from in the west and the east, while central and the northern are not so much hilly. Yeah, excellent, great. Um, and what can you tell me about you know the the roads and the you know the train? Well, yeah, what can you tell me about the transportation system uh, as a whole in Uganda? Are there um, buses? Are there highways that connect the country? What can you tell me? Mm, the highways are generally good. Highways are, most of the highways are tarmacked, uh, while the, the rural roads, uh, we put what is called maram, uh, compacted soil which is strong enough to resist bad weather. And the, the most common, the most common transport here, I must say, there are motorcycles currently in Uganda. Motorcycles are more common than any other transport means. And the buses are mainly used for connecting people to, to longer distances, for example, from one major town to another. And in this case, for example, there are major buses from towns like Mbale, Soroti, to Kampala, to Malaba, to Mbarara, and others. Then we have vehicles, which we call the commuter taxis. Uh, commuter taxis, uh, which move shorter distances, for example, linking uh, transport within districts. And then the most common one is what we call motorcycles. Here we call them locally that border borders. Uh, border borders are the most common one for, for convenience, for shorter distances, and for for example, beating traffic jam. When there's traffic jam, we use border borders really? the motorcycles One, to make sure that you get this area. Excellent. All right. Well, listeners, we're going to move in, move into our, our break, our, our one-minute break. So as we say uh, for the radio side, we'll be right back. And I have a I have a question for you. Do you love coffee? Mm, yes, I do love coffee so much. And the Actually, the region in which I live, of eastern Uganda, particularly Sironko, and Bali, uh, one of the biggest producers of coffee in Uganda. Well, that's, that's, one of, that's very it, good. Very, very glad to hear it. Because Aaron's yes. opinion um, is, brought to you, is brought to you by Blended Joe LLC. <clears throat> Um, Thank you. And the, the, web, the website is B-L-E-N-D-E-D-J-O-E.com. If you want fruit in your coffee, if you want nuts, if you want a, a light roast, a dark roast, a medium roast, they also do a lot of work uh, to support charities around the world. Um, as I like to say, when, if you're just on your couch at home listening to Aaron's opinion or if you're on the go, I promise that you'll love every sip from Blended Joe. Until the end of the month, 
20% off uh, promo code Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. You said something really uh, interesting that I, that I have more questions about. You said that, um, you know, Really, I, I want to know in um, as you have been working with, you know, these blind people um, and I call myself blind. So I that's that's who I am. I'm blind. Um, yes. So give give our listeners because most try, try to give our listeners a lot more information about, you know, your work that you've done specifically with blind people and some of the interesting interactions you've had because most of the audience here on this podcast are blind people. So talk a little bit more about that, if you would. Yeah. Uh, what I've learned about the, the blind people especially, I think one of the things I've learned from them with the interaction, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure that I've had a number of friends who are blind. And the, I realize they have a very great memory. They don't forget. Uh, my cousin, the brother, could not forget any step from home. Actually, most of the people who used to come home used to say that he's, he is not having any blindness and is a pretender. Because he had marked every corner of the house, he could move to the house without using a cane, and he, he has never been hurt in any way. Uh, the biggest experience. I've had with with people who are blind is that in most cases they don't get quick support, especially in the developing countries. Uh, they feel some people feel maybe this blindness will go away, and therefore a child is left without going to school up to a later age when they start to go. And yet it would be good for them to to take them immediately. And then here, I think, I must say, we have very few schools for the blind. They're just very, there are not more than 10 blind schools, blind schools, uh, I mean schools for the blind. So I think it's one of the things that we shall start to advocate for in the near future. My biggest advice and lesson I've learned is most people who are likely to get blind they don't know. And even some of the children, when they are going to get blind, they cannot know. And the, the advice we have been giving, especially to our beneficiaries who are having visual impairments, uh, for example, there are those ones who are short-sighted, long-sighted, and they, they, they feel there is a risk in future that they'll be blind. We normally advise such people that, yes, you can go to normal schools and study, but it is good to start enrolling into braille classes so that just in case your sight is gone, you are not stranded, but you can revert to the braille and you start using it. And also those ones who are not having any visual impairments, it is good not to say, okay, braille is for only the blind. Uh, we, can become, we can become of help to the blind community by supporting them. So I think we can also learn some of these things like Braille so that if we have a blind person, we can provide a quicker solution before they're even taken to, to school. It's just like sign language. You don't need to know sign language to, okay, you don't need sign language to teach people, but you can also use it for communicating to, to, to people. 
So I'm imagining getting a blind person. Uh, I, I want to help him write something quickly, uh, for example, spelling, and maybe I, I don't know how to use Braille. I feel it's not good. So uh, my encouragement is if you are partially blind or you are fully blind or you have any kind of impairment like short-sightedness or long-sightedness, it's better you try to enroll into Braille courses so that at least just in case anything bad happens, you can still be able to, to live in the life very well and you can work for a living. Yeah, that's the, that, yeah. that's the insight I can give to those listening. Sure. And, the, mm. you know, and it's funny, it's funny you say this because I, I actually find that in a, in a sense, in some ways, a lot of the, a lot of these things happen all over the world, even in the United States, you know, yes. you, you would be surprised. Actually, you probably, you personally would not be surprised, but there, there are people in America and probably everywhere, sometimes people do not believe in blindness. I have heard of this before. Yes. Um, when, when I, yes, when I was a boy, I had a teacher who did not believe in blindness either. Um, even in America, that's a thing. I, I can't, I, I struggle to, to fully understand that um, because it's simply, you know, who you are, right? If you're, if you're deaf, you're someone who cannot hear, right? If you're blind, you cannot see. So either, either you are blind or you are not, but I, I, I don't believe in that whole um, concept of, well, someone's faking or someone, you know, I, I'm not, I am not a, a subscriber to that thought, to that. Yes. Uh, but I have had people um, once or twice, <clears throat> once or twice I have perhaps encountered people in my own life who maybe have exaggerated things or um, I, I do not, um, I, I had an opinion um, that I met someone at some point along the way of my university studies who I think could have been um, pretending to have some sort of, had to be blind in the past, but I never mm. knew that to be true. So, I mean, the point is, if if you're blind, you're blind. You are not faking. Are, are is there are there people once in a while who fake a disability to get attention? Yes, there are. But those people are very rare, and it's very noticeable to the blind to blind people if someone is faking, if someone is pretending to be blind. It's noticeable instantly. So yes. you know, that's uh, that's that is life. I think that really. Um, all of what you said is true, and it mm. is the reality for many blind people around the world that it's very, 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 very difficult. Yes. Yes. Um, Actually, they, yes, yes. There's a there's a lot of stereotyping. Sure. Uh, when it comes to blind people, so many accusations that those who say blind people see at night, or they see in darkness, like they're like postcards and the, which is not the the case and then for us here a disability is naturally looked at like as if it is a curse in our african setting they feel right. if you are blind maybe you are cursed or you had a uh, you, you are, you are bad. indeed indeed yeah yeah mm. and just just to fill it just to give you a little bit more information about me on that one point 
in the past, mm. I, I interviewed a, a blind man from Nepal. And in, mm. in um, Nepalese culture, Nepalese society, it, it, is, it is a similar challenge that a lot of people in Nepal, especially in the small villages in the countryside, believe that disability is, is a curse. Um, yes. And they really, they, and, and listeners, they really believe that. They really, when people believe that disability is a curse, they truly, they truly believe it. Um, and it's very sad. Um, but I have heard, or he was telling me, this other person was telling me that in Nepal, things have started to change a little bit in Kathmandu, the, the main city there. So do you think, um, do you think some people in Uganda are starting to have a greater understanding of, you know, uh, of blind people, especially with the great work you're doing? What do you think? I think there's a very big change of late and the people are not attributing disability to things like curse or bad omen. Uh, people have started to learn that, yes, this is something that happens and it can happen anytime, irrespective of your age. And the, the good thing is that this has been taken on also by the government. Uh, for example, we are making sure, the government is making sure that each and every building is accessible for people with, uh, for, for example, the blind, to hear it. The, the, those ones with wheelchairs uh, by putting ramps. Uh, and basically they're saying each building should have at least rails uh, whereby a blind person can keep handling to move so that he cannot get injured. There have been so many sensitizations about white canes. What if you see a person crossing a road with white cane, you should always reduce the speed of the vehicle. And the, yeah, that that would be. That, that, I I actually would agree with that. You should try. Mm. People should try to not to not hurt someone with their vehicle. Yes. That might you you never know. That might actually reduce. Um, mm. That would in fact reduce the number of of accidents. Um, yes. And in many. In many countries around the world, a lot of people are injured in, in car crashes or by vehicles. It's uh, yes. quite common, unfortunately. I believe it's common in your country and several countries in, in around Africa and the Middle East that uh, accidents by vehicles are quite, quite a major problem, in fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, people, I mean, even in America, people can still get hit by a car. It, it still happens, but it's uh, less frequent. I think than it is uh, in your in your part of the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. About uh, are, are are you there? Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a one hundred dollars statement credit when you spend fifteen hundred dollars in the first ninety days. Join PenFed. And together, we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit penfed.org slash goldcard. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, 
VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.